0: Mass at St. Peter's Basilica, considered the Catholic Church's holiest temple, in the heart of Rome, where former Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly now serves.
1: As U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, I will do all I can to ensure that the United States and the Vatican work together to advance human rights and dignity.
0: Doesn't get much better than this for a devout Irish Catholic like Joe Donnelly. His first meeting with Pope Francis. Listen closely and you can hear the exhilaration in his voice. Thank you so much for
1: having me here. Thank
0: Thank you so much. The incredible journey of Joe Donnelly, grandson of Irish immigrants who grew up on Long Island, graduated Notre Dame, and wound up paving a path from Congress to the Vatican. Get to know him on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Joe Donnelly was born and raised in Massapequa on Long Island in New York, the fifth of five kids, the son of a single dad, an experience that shaped him for what would come. Donnelly fulfilled the dream of many Irish Catholic kids and headed off to Notre Dame, where he not only graduated with a bachelor's in government, but also earned his law degree. South Bend has been home to Donnelly ever since. It's where he launched his political career, representing Indiana's second district in the U.S. House for six years, then serving one term in the Senate.
1: I rise today for the final time representing the great people of Indiana here in the United States Senate. My six years representing Hoosiers in this body and the six I spent as Congressman for the second district of Indiana before this have been among The great honors of my life.
0: Little did Donnelly know there would be another great honor in his life and he's living it out a half a world away in Rome where he serves as the U.S. ambassador to the Holy See. And it gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome Joe Donnelly to the podcast. Joe,
1: uh, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, I'm really good because I'm home in Indiana this week. So that's great. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I was going to say you are back home in Indiana. It's got to feel, feel good. We're going to talk about your your role and uh, some of the things you're up to now. But it's always good to get back home.
1: It, it is. And we now have a little granddaughter. And so uh, ah. um, that makes it especially uh, especially fun. That
0: That's outstanding. Hey, your role, uh, U.S. Ambassador of the Holy See, um, it's got to be an incredible job. What, t- tell me about the the job
1: and what, what it's all about. Sure, I will. Um, and, and the amazing part about this, Gary, is so, um, you know, my first day was February 15th, which was nine days before um, Putin and Russia invaded Ukraine. Uh, yeah. And um, I met with the Pope when I got to Rome um, to present him my papers. And we talked for over half an hour, just he and I. And 90% of it was about Ukraine. Wow. Uh, he, he said, You're here at a really Difficult time, and so um, in, in in Rome, you're even closer to Ukraine at that point. And uh, what has happened is the, the the incredible attack on Ukraine, the the massacres, the the slaughters, the torture. the The Vatican is doing everything they can to try to stop it. And my job is to represent the United States U.S. foreign policy, and so I try to provide them with the information we have and that we know as to what exactly is going on there, so they have a crystal clear picture that's not um, filtered uh, in another direction.
0: So you you really are uh, you know close to that 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 Russia Ukraine situation. Then I had I had no idea you're you're
1: you're really are physically and in all ways close to it. Yeah, one of the challenges is that um, the, the Vatican mission is, it's not like a traditional embassy in that there's visas or there's a trade mission to go meet with. Um, it's, it's more of, of almost working with the, like the United Nations uh, organization. It's the Holy See, the Vatican, and they have a, um, a global voice and, and their voice is the moral voice of the world. And so, what we try to uh, to do, what I try to do is is to make sure that the Vatican understands exactly what's really going on there, that the Pope has a couple of times said, "Well, you know NATO may have had something to do with this. and and we've tried to make it very clear um, that they have that NATO did not. Uh, you know, that was when, when you're looking for an excuse, you always try to find the easy one, and that's what Russia right. did. Yeah. And so, Um, We saw just recently the Pope uh, acknowledged Russia invaded Ukraine, Russia attacked Ukraine. And so my job is to try to make sure that we provide accurate, clear information for for the Vatican to be able to understand what actually is going on there and to try to explain to them, here's, here's how we see this. Russia attacked Ukraine. Russia invaded Ukraine. They have murdered and slaughtered. Um, civilians, children, and um, Ukraine has a right to defend itself.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned meeting with, with the Pope. How, how frequently
1: do you actually sit down and meet with the Pope? Not on a regular basis. I've met with him a few times. Um, but the number two, Cardinal Parolin, um, he's he would be in effect like the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, he's called the secretary of state. I meet with him on a fairly regular basis. Um, because we also deal with other parts of the world uh, as well. And um, we also deal with uh, security issues. We were able to recently, we worked together uh, in regards to a uh, a nun who had been kidnapped in Africa. And she was an American citizen, which obviously directly um, involves us and involves me. And so we worked together very closely to try to get her home. And we were, we were just recently able to do that.
0: What, um, to the extent you can provide any insight uh, into the type of, of, of person the Pope is, I mean, you're, you're, you're ha- having had interaction with him.
1: What, uh, how would you characterize that? He, he's got a, he's got an amazing sense of humor, which you wouldn't imagine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing we actually talked about at the end of our talk, you know, we talked about very serious stuff and then uh we talked about soccer. I, ah. I wanted more to talk about baseball and football, but he's more <laughs> of a soccer guy. Um, and he, the, he, he feels the weight of that job. And what I mean by that is about halfway through our conversation, he looked and he said, I am trying so hard to solve this problem, meaning Ukraine. He goes, and I just can't get there right now. And I thought, imagine having the weight of that on your shoulders. And then the next person who comes in is talking to you about food challenges in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, he, carries, he carries a lot of um, weight on his shoulders, but he also does it in a, in a kindly way. What you'll see, Gary, too, um, when you go to an event with him or you know, to St. Peter's Basilica where he might be, his natural um, first steps are to those who are suffering and struggling. Um, th- somebody who has a physical ailment or uh, a child who has challenges—that's who he goes up to and hugs, and, yeah. and and that's where his heart is. And so um, he's he he is also um, very very uh, disciplined and and and. He has a back of steel, like when, when he makes his mind up,
0: his mm-hmm. mind is
1: made up. <laughs> I talked to um, one of the folks at the Vatican one time about an issue. And I said, well, has the Pope thought about this and this in regards to this issue? And they looked at me and they said, he is not going to change his mind. <laughs> and I said, well, maybe just talk about it a little less. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, I, I've got to ask you, I mean, you've been around uh, a lot of very influential, powerful people, presidents uh, and others. I got to ask you, the first time you went to meet with the Pope, what was that like? And you're a Catholic. I mean, what what yeah. what what was that like for you just uh, from your feeling
1: inside? Was it were you nervous at all or what What were your what were you? I wasn't nervous, which sounds sounds strange. It, it was. um it was surreal though, to, to walk into the Vatican, which is unlike any place you'd ever imagine, you know, there's a hallway there, Gary, we were walking down and they said, you see the, the paintings on these walls. And I said, yes. And they said, um, Raphael painted the walls when he was working here at one point. And, <laughs> oh, wow. and I'm thinking Sherwin Williams and that's <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but to go in and see the Holy Father Pope Pope Francis um, it, it's really inspiring my family was with me mm-hmm. and he went right over to our new granddaughter uh, and then to my mom I was like seventh in line <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know the other feeling that I had was to always remember I represent the United States and that, that means everyone in our country I don't go there as, someone representing the Catholics in our country. I go there as representing all of us and, you know, folks have asked, well, how do you feel about this Catholic issue in America and this Catholic issue? And it's like, I don't, I, I I represent the United States to the Vatican. I don't get involved in internal church politics because it's probably worse than other politics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of politics, do you miss politics? I'll tell you what I miss is um, I I miss when I was in the Senate and in the House, the the chance to work with other legislators who really wanted to get things done. Um, And, you know, folks have said we were able to get, for instance, legislation called Right to Try, where where folks could get access to life-saving medications early. And was because of a young boy here in Indiana. And my partner in that was Ron Johnson. And people would go, well, how do do you two team up? And it's like because we both wanted to get something done. Um, So I I missed the chance to try to do good things like make sure that folks can get affordable health care. And I'll tell you what else I miss are the people of Indiana. You know, the the parades. We used to do over 50 parades every year. And... um, you know, I'd go the next year, I'd be at the parade and someone would come up and go, I'm in my same place as last year. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's great. And they go, now I'm going to ask you the same question again. <laughs> but I really miss the people of Indiana and, and the people of our country, you know, who would come to Washington and visit. And uh, and I hope people understand that that's their capital. You know, some of the stuff I've seen in the past few years has been heartbreaking. Um because that's our capital. When when the capital was attacked, I was watching that thinking of the, the people who worked in the cafeteria just below that, that, you know, their families, you know, their kids. And, and these are just Americans like you and I who are trying to make our country a little bit better place. Yeah.
0: You were considered a moderate uh, Democrat. You weren't afraid to, to buck your party on on, on some issues. Um in fact, as I was doing a little research, the National Journal gave you a composite score of 52% conservative, 48% liberal. Um, is, are, are you a dinosaur? Is that Does that exist anymore? I mean, it just seems like there are so few people in politics who are middle of the road. You know, it, yeah. it, it's either one way or the other, left or right, whatever the case might be. Do, it, 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 do you think that's that's the case?
1: Well I sure hope not because I think that's how we got a lot of things done um, you know it, it's it's how we were always able to move things forward in our state for instance was was when I'd worked together with with other folks and so uh, my commitment my job was always to the to the people who elected me here you know folks said uh, uh you you work for this president or that president and it was it was like a fundamental misunderstanding because you work for the people of Indiana. You don't work for any president. You'll work with them if they're right. Um, and I always said, you know, for instance, when President Trump was president, or President Bush was president, I wanted them to do well, because if they did, it meant Indiana was gonna do well and it meant people were gonna have bigger paychecks. And so um, when it was good for our country, um, it was good for Indiana, and then it was, it was the right politics.
0: Are you concerned about the tone of politics?
1: Uh, uh, Yeah, I really am. Um, In in this way, we should be setting an example for everybody in this country. You know, you you see people so angry um, toward one another. And much of that comes from what you see on cable television, um, on the floors of the Senate and the House, And we should be the people who when when folks look and go, well, how should I think of this? It's it's here's what I believe. But this person is also my friend. They believe a little bit differently. We're going to work on this together. That's how communities succeed. That's how our country has succeeded forever and ever. Can you imagine um, if it was World War Two and. You had, before you fought the enemy, we were fighting each other first. Um, When we're together, we're unbeatable. And and I can tell you this, um, over in Europe, what what we see now is, uh, is folks look toward our country after the fact that we stood up to support Ukraine. And you saw Republicans and Democrats saying, we'll stand together to help this country countries all across Europe and all across the world said, wow, America's standing up. We'll stand with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we put such a big coalition together. If we didn't, you know, some folks I hear America first and I'm always for America first, but America is first when America leads and when America, um, is helping to set the tone for a successful world. And, and that's when we do well. And, and when we try to, um, you know, tear one another apart. I, I think sometimes folks don't realize this is a big planet, right? And and you see two two towns in our state or two towns in another state where they barely talk to one another. It's like mm-hmm. you live, you, you're not even in a county by county fight. You're in a street <laughs> right. by street fight here. Yeah. And the more we work together, it's it's really true that one plus one is three or four. Mm-hmm. Well, what's a uh- Italy-like now
0: post-pandemic? I know it was challenging times, obviously. They're everywhere, but especially there. Well, what's, uh, what's life like in, in, uh, in Italy? It's pretty well back to normal now.
1: Um, you know, the, the masks are done. Um, people, people really tried um, in terms of masks and in terms of, of following guidelines to get to the other side. And so it's back to normal. It is a uh, uh, people, the people love America and Mm -hmm. they all come up and they go, I have family in New Jersey. I have Mm -hmm. family in Indianapolis. And and it's like, do you know my cousin in Miami? I'm like, no, I I don't. (laughs) That's I have good. 330 million folks I work for, and <laughs> your cousin is one of them. <laughs>
0: uh, what uh, Before we get off politics, I, I do have to ask you a lot of speculation. A lot of people think you're going to run for governor. Is that, is that the case? Have you, have you made a decision on, uh,
1: on running for governor? You know, I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about those kind of things because of the Hatch Act, and uh, I'm, I'm privileged to serve. Um, president Biden asked me to serve in this position, and when the president asks, you step up. Uh, you know, he's he's my friend, number one, so I would help him. And number two, he's the president. Um, so I'm focused on that right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, but 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 accurate to say you're you're not finished with politics. Is that would that be accurate?
1: Well, I'm going to work in my in my job uh, later today as uh, as Vatican ambassador. And that's that's as much as I'm allowed to say.
0: At this OK. Point more to come on that, maybe we'll we'll keep asking that question here down the road. Uh, really pleased to be joined by Joe Donnelly on the podcast uh, this week, much more ahead in uh, including uh, Joe Donnelly growing up, uh, the young years, younger years in uh, in New York State, how he got to Indiana, and a lot more when the business and beyond podcast continues.
1: This is Alex Brown. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with Inside Indiana Business Radio on demand. This twice daily podcast features our statewide Inside Indiana Business Radio reports with additional bonus content that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. You can listen now on the podcast page at InsideIndianaBusiness.com or subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast, presented by PNC. My guest this week, Joe Donnelly, U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See, former uh, Indiana Senator, Congressman, and uh, Joe, uh, you are not a native Hoosier. Uh, you grew up in New York. T- talk about uh, was it Massapequa? Is that right?
1: Right out on out on Long Island. That was the name of the Indian tribe who who was who was in that area um, originally. And I came, I'm, I'm a second generation immigrant. And so my grandparents came from Ireland to um, Ellis Island. Um, and the joke was that the last stop on the bus was where they wound up. <laughs> um, they grew up, they they raised, my my mom and dad actually lived on the same block in the Lower East Side of New York. Um, they got married. and moved out to, uh, moved out to Long Island when the family, I was the fifth of five. And when I showed up is when they had to get a new house. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, you know, for, for, uh, an Irish Catholic kid, the, the dream was always to go to Notre Dame. Yeah. And, um, I was, I was privileged enough to, to be able to get in. I still laugh because my dad, when the letter came, um, he's like, so what'd they say? I said, I got in. He goes, okay, we're going to the post office. I said, why? He goes, well, once they cash our check, they can't change their minds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very practical man. That um, is, that is and, good. and for everybody watching, um, not to date myself, but the charge to hold the seat was $25. Wow. 25 yeah. bucks. How
0: about that? How about that? Um, what was growing up like like I know you lost your mom right at a really early age you ten years
1: old that was uh, you know you're numb right it's it's you, you, you barely function um, you try to get through one day to the next and and think of my dad who was now um, a single dad with five children wow, and it was never it, he would go to work in the morning, early in the morning when it was dark, and come home when it was dark. And and um, you know, we all pitched in together. I remember my dad saying, "Look, we've got each other. That's what we have, and we've got to get through this." And I was actually asked, you know, I've I've not always been been perfect, but I remember somebody asking me and going, "You know, you never got in any trouble when your dad wasn't home, and you you'd always tell us no, and you just." you just go play baseball. You never got in trouble. And they said, why? And I said, because the trouble I would have gotten in with my father would have been 10 times worse than the police. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, Did that experience growing up, uh,
0: single uh, father family, how did did that influence you? I mean, it had to have a real impact on you and your life and what you've become. Um,
1: You know, Gary, I see the families in our state where, a single mom is trying to make things work. And, and I look at those kids and I go, those kids are me. Mm-hmm. And so um, what, what I had the, the good fortune of is, is a dad who made sure I stayed in school, who stayed on top of me, who stayed focused on me, who, um, you know, said, you, you are going to college. This is not a discussion. I remember talking to him one summer. I, I drove a truck as my summer job. And I said, this is really cool. Um, I love this. And he goes, well, you're going to go to college. And then if you want to keep driving, that's great. But if you are thinking of doing this now, you're going to have to find another place to live. So, <laughs> he was, yeah. Like I said, he was very practical. Yeah. But I, I, What it really hits home is how important family is, the struggles that you can have economically or as a single mom single dad trying to get your your children through that you feel overwhelmed sometimes and so so my job was how do i make it so that they can get decent health care how do i make it that we have policies in place for them to get a really good education because that gives them the tools to do anything in life mm-hmm. and and so that's you know my i always felt a natural affinity toward those children. I remember, um, a family here in the state. I I found out that they had just lost their mom and the boy, the boy, they were twin boys or or boys very close, like 12 and 10. I thought that's me. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote them a little letter saying, Hey, you'll get to the other side of this. It's not fun, but, but you'll get there. And when you do, you'll make your mom proud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned baseball or sports, a big, big part of your, your youth, yeah, if you heard if you heard my singing voice, you know I was involved in sports. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love to play baseball, sports, all kinds of different stuff, and so um, that was almost it was the traditional get home from school, and then you're out in the park uh, with your buddies playing ball till it gets dark, and then you go home and eat and study and go to bed. Yeah, and yeah. so um, it's not only something I, I I deeply loved; it was something that probably helped. Um, it probably helped steer me in the right way.
0: What uh, you, you went to Notre Dame, did you consider any other colleges, or was it just always that that was where you were going to go?
1: Well, you know, it, it, it that was where I had hoped to go, and I had applied to a couple of other colleges. But what was interesting, um, y- you know, for people of my background, like folks would say, Well, did you look at the Ivy Leagues? It's like I didn't even know what the Ivy leagues were. That was, that's just culturally yeah. wasn't part of who we are. I mean, if I was, if I had been lucky enough or blessed enough to, to, um, grow up in Indiana, I would have certainly looked at IU and Purdue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't, very, I wasn't a very good engineer. So Rose Holman <laughs> would not have wanted anything to do with me, but, um, we we're so blessed with so many great schools here, but, um, I was fortunate that, that Notre Dame took a chance on me.
0: What, um, did you know what you wanted to do when you get you know you got uh, you, your undergrad there at Notre Dame I think you got your law degree
1: there as as well well what did you want to do with your life Well I I I wanted to um you know my dad had talked about what lawyers did and that kind of stuff and and so that was something that I had an interest in um that wasn't necessarily uh uh politics connected but it was the chance to try to use those talents to to help others, to help clients, and so um, I was fortunate to have that chance.
0: Yeah, how did you get into what 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 steered you into politics?
1: Oh, I was an attorney for for uh, a candidate who was who had a recount, and so <laughs> you know we I, I helped them with that, and then some years went by, and I was um, serving in the Mishawaka. Marion High School School Board, which is the Catholic High School school board and um, the way I wound up on that was I wasn't looking for it. Um, I got a call from some of the other members of the school board one night. this is a true story I promise and they said, you've just been elected to the school board and I said, well, I'm not a candidate for the school board <laughs> And they said, well, we got together and you know uh, Marie is Marie had to, to family responsibilities so can't do it anymore so, we picked you I said well I I'm, I'm trying to run a business and a, you know those all those things to raise a family and they said well if you if you're not gonna do it you have to personally visit the bishop and tell him and my response was when is the first meeting <laughs> <laughs> um, and so from that um, you know I knew the folks in the local Democratic Party pretty well I'd contributed to various candidates. Um, they called me in oh, they called me in late 03 and said, hey, would you consider being our candidate for Congress? And I, I, was, I was real concerned about Iraq and the situation we were facing there um, and thought, you know, to complain about it and not step up really, really doesn't make sense. And so in 04, I ran what wasn't successful, but in 06, um, you know, we took another shot and I was.
0: Uh, should mention another uh, life-changing event at Notre Dame. You met your wife Jill there, right?
1: I, I did, and Jill is um, she's actually she's actually a Notre Dame student, but was also from South Bend, and so um, she, you know, she we both love South Bend. We both love Indiana, and and I tell people, I laugh. I said, she said she'd live anywhere in the world as long as it was South Bend. So. <laughs>
0: How did, how did you meet uh, there? What, do you remember your first I, I interaction?
1: We met in a class, we met in a class at Notre Dame and she asked me what dormitory I lived in. And I told her, and she said, that's the dormitory. My boyfriend lives in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, Oh, and then I went and sat in my seat and minded my own business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but eventually you guys got together, right? Eventually we, yeah
1: uh, we, we, you know, you talk about sports. We, um, we got to be real good friends, which is always a good thing, and um, did a lot of sports together, racquetball, tennis, all of that kind of stuff, and, and um, you know, eventually we got together. Yeah. Uh, Joe, as you reflect
0: back uh, your time at Notre Dame, your early careers, you think of mentors. I know in doing doing a little research for this, uh, you, you list uh, Father Hesburgh, maybe, as one of your, your, your mentors. Uh, what was your relationship with him, and how did he uh, impact you?
1: Gary, he had a relationship with um with everybody at the school. And what I mean by that was um so he lived in Corby Hall, which is a dorm right on campus there. And everybody knew if the light was on in his room, you could go up and see him. And and I didn't I didn't do that, but but it was the signal it, one, two o'clock in the morning, because he was a he's a night owl, the light would be on and somebody would be up there talking to him about. Uh, a broken heart or an academic problem or a family problem. And so he was a world-known figure, but he was also um, like our, our, our leader. And for me personally, uh, I'll tell you a story. It was with the Affordable Care Act back in 2010, which you, knew, which you know was so controversial in our state and um, in the district I represented. And I talked to him about it. And in talking to him about it, you know, I, I trusted his judgment a lot and it wasn't certainly, oh, tell me what to do or anything like that. It was, what do you think? Cause I asked a lot of people, what do you think? And he said, you know, if we did our job right at Notre Dame, when you were here, um, you don't need, you, you know, you don't need me to, to say, oh, I think this makes sense. Or I think that makes sense. He said, that's what we should have done when we educated you. And if we didn't, that's our failure. He said, but whatever way you decide, it's going to be the right decision. Because if you make this so that you make the right decision and not the easy one, you can't miss and I'll back you up. Mm -hmm. So you can't beat that kind of advice.
0: Yeah. Were there others, uh, any other mentors that come to mind who've really had had an influence on your life?
1: Oh, oh, my dad, who um, was dealt some really tough cards in life. Um, and, you know, the the simple dignity of getting up every day and taking care of his family, going to work in the dark, coming home in the dark. People talk about heroes. That's heroic to me. Um, and so um, when I looked at him and what he did and I. He was not the most talkative guy in the world. My brother and I used to laugh and go, "We we'd go years without him saying hello." Or, you know, <laughs> you know it was basically get in the car. We got to go. <laughs> that yeah. was an extensive conversation. My wife one time said, "You don't say much." I said, "It's an inherited tradition." <laughs> um, but that simple dignity of trying to always do the right thing. Um, you know, I've never talked about this much, but. When we had, when my mom passed away, um, Social Security, she had worked, so there was survivor benefits and stuff. And in a, very traditional this way, uh, my dad said, "We're not going to do that." He said, "Some other family needs that more than we do." He said, "I'm going to go to work. I get a paycheck. I'll take care of you. Somebody else is going to need that instead of us." And so, you know, those are the kind of examples you try to follow. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's powerful. Um,
1: what's next, uh, Joe, you've got a lot on your plate
0: there, uh, in, in your current role. If you, Have you thought, uh, how long does your,
1: your term last? Um, it is, at is the it, pleasure, pleasure of, yeah. it is at the pleasure of the president. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so, you know, if he's happy, um, that's a, that's a continuing thing. And, and, you know, if it's if it's something that um, on on my end I'm still able to do, so yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of uh, it, it's it's like an ongoing term. There's no set date.
0: Yeah, as as you look at Indiana uh, and, and you see what uh, uh, from afar from uh, from from Rome, your your thoughts just on the overall state of the Indiana economy, life in general. how, how do you view uh, how things are going here oh. in Indiana?
1: You know, I think the most discouraging thing was seeing the drop in college attendance. Um, That is, uh, you know, the one, like I said, the one thing my dad said, you you are going to college. And the trades people that I always work with, um, uh, the the different building trades organizations, were always sitting with their members going, you're going to get educated. You're going to get educated. And one of the things they offer to their members is college education as well. Um, And Skills education, so they're the very best in the world. I, I worry that if that number keeps going down, that those companies, the, the future is Gary is things like agro engineering and automotive engineering and um, green energy and being at the cutting edge of biotech and medical engineering, and they'll all these companies will come here and and very, very much want to make Indiana their center. If we have the folks, we know the character, of the people of Indiana, we just want to make sure they have the skills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned some of these uh, new, newer industries, uh, you know, electric vehicles, uh, you know, the batteries, uh, all the components that go into an electric vehicle and, you know, a big, big uh, plant uh, potentially going there in New Carlisle, uh, massive yes. General Motors uh, joint venture there. Do you think Indiana has an opportunity to really capture, uh, you know, some of that, uh, that those billions of dollars of investment, all dependent
1: upon, as you, I guess you mentioned, workforce? Yeah, I I think we do. I think we're perfectly located. Um, You know, we're the center of the country. Um, We touch so many big cities. We're such a logistics center. And so we have a great toolkit. And to be able to provide um, the skills to these companies, it makes it an easy decision for them. I was fortunate that um, I visited Delara in Italy, which has a big presence in Indiana. Just the nicest people in the world. I've met Gianpaolo Delara, who's 86 and goes into work every single day. Wow. And his house is down the block from the factory. But I met with him and Gianpaolo Delara helped set up the university and training system in their region of Italy for auto- automotive excellence and in that area is Ferrari, Maserati, Lamborghini, Delara. Everybody's there because they know they have the skills. That we we can be that too. And we talked actually with the Delara folks. Um, they'd like to set up and help with an automotive engineering program um, right here in Indiana. And, and they said, because that's where it should be. And, yeah. and that's exactly right. Yeah.
0: Joe Donnelly, the United States Ambassador to the Holy See. Joe, it is, uh, it's really been a treat to catch up with you and uh, on a, on your visit back to Indiana. Uh, best of luck to you uh, in your current role and whatever the future might hold as well. Oh, thank you so much. All right. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7. All you have to do is go to InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.